Here's a red maple leaf. So summertime it's green, but mm -hmm. that's shocking red. Mm -hmm. So that's why we call them red maple. You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. I'm your host, Erica Housekeeper. It's fall in Vermont, and you know what that means. Fall foliage season is here. A few days before the autumn equinox, I met with Mike Snyder. He's commissioner of the Vermont Department of Forest, Parks, and Recreation. We met at Round Pond at Holbrook State Park in Sheffield, where the leaves were already turning. In this episode, Mike talks about the fall foliage forecast, the notion behind peak foliage, and the variety of state lands you can explore this fall season in Vermont. Tell us about this beautiful place we're in. I've never been here. Where are we? We're sitting on a really flat, huge boulder on the side of Round Pond in kind of the middle of Perry Holbrook State Park in Sheffield, Vermont. And is this a place the public can walk around in the summer and fall and explore and absolutely that's what it's here for like all of our state parks it's here for vermonters and our guests to enjoy places like this and so yes it's open to the public and there are trails here that follow a, an old road an old woods road from the parking area into the first pond where we're at and then there's trails that leave from the pond and go around and then kind of through a saddle between a couple of mountains there's a loop trail with a lookout so there's the pond activities, waterfront, and then there's some nice walking, hiking, pretty moderate, nothing too strenuous, but great views and solitude. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's mid-September, and we're already seeing some really beautiful early color, which is encouraging, and it looks gorgeous. Can you talk about what the foliage season is looking like this year? How are things shaping up? Sure. And you're right, it's early relatively speaking, in the foliage season, but it's on. And we're looking at it here. It's beautiful. A lot of green still, but the red maples really showing off, I think, signaling what's yet to come. Some with real significant vibrancy. And then otherwise, kind of the fading of the greens into a pale green and emergence of the yellows and oranges. And you can see little hints of it here. So that's a good place to start. I think all the factors are in place for another great foliage season. The growing season this summer was really mixed, I'd say, across the Vermont landscape in terms of principally rain. We had significant drought in large stretches of the state this summer. Those have been mitigated, particularly in central and southern Vermont, a lot of rain, lot of and rain. they moved past the drought stage. Other places localized drought as a factor in this mix, the cocktail of factors that lead to great fall foliage. Others have been the incidents during that rainy, wet period that was really good news for leaf diseases like anthracnose caused by a fungus that does well in that wet, those wet conditions. We had a significant uptick in the incidence of anthracnose foliage leaf disease on maples and other hardwoods, and those won't turn pretty colors. And so there are places where that's been evident. The LDD caterpillar, the insect formerly known as gypsy moth, a significant outbreak in the northwestern part of the state. Many of those trees recovered and refoliated and can turn colors. They're really the most stressed among them, though, that didn't refoliate. They're going to be bear pockets, unfortunately, localized occurrences. And then the one we can see here a little bit is the maple leaf cutter, a native insect that has 
kind of cyclic or periodic population expansions. And we're in one of those now where they cut little holes in the leaf and feed between the layers of the maple leaves, leaving them brown, tan, a little battered. So those have been in the mix too. So it's been between the drought and then moisture and those incidences of pests and pathogens. You know, they're always in the mix every year in any forested landscape. They're just, I'm just being honest, there's a couple parts of the state that had upticks and those will influence the color development. Back to drought, we've seen in the past that moderate drought can actually enhance color development, particularly the vibrancy. Severe drought, where the leaves turn brown, sorry, they're not going to recover. But So we have a real mix across the landscape as in any year. In some places, it's up a little more. Other places, again, coming here, looking around, boy, all signs point to another great season emerging. It's really from here on, as I like to say, that the trees have done their part and will continue to do their part, especially if the seasonable weather ensues. We need crisp, cold nights, sunny, bright days with a little good moisture and some rain mixed in without the heavy rains, heavy winds, snowstorms, which all can happen <laughs> yes. and really change things late in the game. But right now we're looking at, as you say, mid-September, the next six weeks should be really great to watch. Yeah, definitely. And it's, we talked about this last year when I interviewed you on a different episode. We talked about how a lot of people think peak foliage is, you know, one day and all at once and the same across the state. And what makes it so interesting is like it's it's different everywhere and the timing changes and there's so many variables, soil conditions, exactly. moisture, temperature, all of that. Right. Well, that's part of the, I think, what makes Vermont's fall foliage arguably the world's best fall foliage, as I like to say. It's a credible claim. We have some fun with it with our neighboring states. And, you know, I like to say, Maine, I'll give Maine the lobsters, you know. But uh, beach. we got the foliage. And there's it's a credible claim. And part of it is that variety. Uh, and it really does raise questions about this whole concept of peak. Because then we could also factor in people. And I think in my experience, being a tree lover and a predictor and observer for all these years, I've met so many with all this enthusiasm. And people have different sensibilities and different aesthetic tastes. And some like the reds and some like the greens and the yellows and others like a little bit of, you know, just so it's it, it find your peak is what we like to right. say. It varies. If you want to say peak is not one day, but that time when there's the greatest say, number of acres with the greatest sort of mix and intensity of colors, that happens around the state at different times. And so it's in a relatively small state like ours, you can see peak a lot of different places at a lot of different times. There are going to be places here in the Northeast Kingdom really close to peak very soon. And there'll be places in the Champlain Valley and southwestern Bennington County and in the southern Connecticut Valley that will be in peak color around Indigenous Peoples Day. So, we, we, you know, you, we, got, we got a great chance to see, you can find your peak somewhere throughout the next six weeks. Definitely. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. And we're up here in the Northeast Kingdom, the northeastern section of the state. And we often tell people, if you want to see foliage on the earlier part of the season to come to the Northeast Kingdom. And my question is, why is that? Is it because we're so far north? Is it the colder temperatures? Is it the topography? Like, why is why does it turn earlier up here? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's not because we have, we want to have an orderly progression of tourism, <laughs> of tourists and, uh, and visitors, right? It's not. It's the way the trees work. They are anchored in place. Many of them, they can live for centuries. 
they have to have evolved mechanisms to deal with change, including the seasonal changes, yearly changes. And they really have this brilliant way of kind of telling time and keeping track. And one of the principal ways is day length, the amount of what we call photo period. Basically, the, as we all feel it. The days are getting shorter. Trees notice that too. And that's one of their prime triggers, environmental cues to change up the way they're operating. And these hardwood trees that turn the wonderful colors, they lose those leaves for the winter to avoid damage and loss. And this whole thing is a byproduct of that preparation, the physiological preparation from green photosynthesis in the summer to withstanding the winter and kind of being conservative about that. And so they go through these physiological changes that we get to enjoy through the color changes. That's all triggered by waning day length. That happens earlier in the north compared to southern latitudes. In a small state like this, it's kind of Im almost imperceptible to us, but the trees do notice. Mm. A second factor would be temperature. And it's cooler here than, I hope my friends in Rutland County don't, aren't offended that I'm saying it's cooler here in Orleans <laughs> County, but I mean, temperature wise, it's cooler sooner here. And it's a shorter growing season. So it starts here. It's, it's really simply that. Mm. It's a shorter growing season. And so the end of it starts sooner here than in Southern Vermont, similarly at higher elevations. And that's why it progresses basically predictably from north and the higher elevations, say the spine of the Green Mountains, southward and downslope as these weeks of the glorious fall foliage season proceed. Yeah, that makes sense. Trees know what they're doing. <laughs> they really they do. They really do. And it's a uh, bonus for us. Yeah, absolutely. And we're at a state park. There's lots and lots of acres of state forests and state parks and natural areas people can visit in Vermont. And a lot of them are really popular. You think Camel's Hump or Mount Mansfield or places like that. What are some kind of off-the-beaten-path state lands that people can explore this fall? It's really wonderful because we have a bunch. Really happy to share and help people explore the great expanse. There's a few hundred thousand acres of state forests, state parks, wildlife management areas under the care of our sister department, the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And um, they're all open, they're accessible for a variety of uses and enjoyment, including fall foliage viewing. They have trails, they have water bodies, whether it be they ponds, lakes, streams, rivers. That's really a great way to get to see foliage, is to get out and on a bike, on a mountain bike, or a hiking trail, or in a canoe or a kayak, to enjoy it. And so, Indeed, we have the main kind of big ones that are famous, Smuggler's Notch, right, Killington. They're great, but we do have these others, like Holbrook State Park here in Sheffield. I'd point to places like Victory State Forest, also further north and east, uh, that is really spectacular in some ways, kind of, you could, we have some staff who might argue it's like ground zero for fall foliage. It's just like the, the place. It opens up before you. It's wild. It's expansive and really, really beautiful. A great early spot that's off the beaten path. Similarly, Willoughby State Forest. We know about Lake Willoughby, Mount Hoare, Mount Pisgah. There's great hiking there. I don't know that it's all that well used. And there's other trails that kind of go from there. Not far from here, Wheeler Mountain in Sutton. Another great location. So there's these kind of, that's all in the northern northeast. There's a, a whole network of lesser known trails and state properties that have great foliage. And that just continues all across the state. You work your way south, you know, I would point way south, Molly Stark, the Molly Stark Trail. You cross the sort of Route 9 corridor across the southern part of the state. There's a handful of places from the Connecticut River, really all the way over to the New York border to the west. 
a handful that include, by the way, the Green Mountain National Forest. And, you know, we're really proud of state forests, state parks in particular, but our partners with the U.S. Forest Service and the Green Mountain National Forest, there's a lot within their 400,000 acres of ownership that's off the beaten path as well. I would make a plug for Trail Finder, which is a web-based trails kind of inventory and guidance. It's really rich. All of our trails are there. We partner with them and you can kind of filter on your degree of difficulty, what sorts of amenities you're looking for. And that's a great resource beyond my brain right now, thinking about where to send people. Right. One place we talked about earlier before we turned the microphones on was, um, and I'd been there recently, was Okemo State Forest. Yeah. And the section off in Mount Holly, kind of off Route 155. Great and that's call. a great, beautiful spot. Yeah, so exactly. And, and, and many more places like that that include like designated hiking trails, but also we have several hundred miles of just woods roads that you can just, they're, they're double track, you know, you can walk and then they lead to so much more. They may lead to another trail or a, or a water body, but uh, exactly that in every one of these state forest or state park units, there's, there's the developed portions, say in a campground and then the developed trails, but there's just roam in the woods. And then there's a whole great network of other roads and trails that are, also available. And they exist in every corner of the state, actually, in every county. They're all available. Yeah, it's great. I feel we're really lucky that we have that. So as commissioner, you're not sitting in front of a computer all day long. You're out in the field. You're out visiting different areas of the state. Tell me this time of year, kind of what are you doing? What kind of areas are you visiting? Well, normally, and I say normally, meaning pre-pandemic, for my job here as commissioner of Forest Parks and Recreation, it's not It's like sitting at a desk in an office. It's typically like going to a lot of meetings. I move around a lot. That's in, in our headquarters in Montpelier with other colleagues in state government. It's in the state house doing legislative work. Uh, it's with partners, and that means getting out to other locations. So typically it's a lot of going to meetings and being out and about for that sort of thing. I'm a forester, licensed forester. That's my past, my experience, my expertise, and I don't do much of that. You know, It's not like I'm in field-based, to be clear. So it's meetings during the pandemic. We've been in remote virtual approach. So it's a lot of Microsoft Teams and Zooming and that sort of thing from my basement office at home. And that's not been great. So I'm really happy to say, really proud of how everybody's adapted and we've done the best we can, but it's even less getting out and about and interacting. And so that's why this summer with some return to normalcy, it was really great. I made a point of putting a call out to all staff in our department and inviting myself, begging them for an invitation basically to come see what they do, how it's going here, about things they're proud of, things that they're frustrated by. And it's been wonderful visiting a variety of state parks, state forests all over the state with our dedicated staff. I've been doing that right up until a couple, once or twice a week for the last couple of months. It's been great, and including recently. So I've been out and about. It's helpful for my foliage reporting. So I do make a point normally in the fall to kind of take more meetings around the state so I can have firsthand experience, seeing what people are seeing, talking to folks. Because I like to crowdsource my foliage reporting too. Well, yeah, those are a lot of work and finding out what's going on. You can't be everywhere at once. I really enjoyed being in a variety of state parks this summer with the seasonal workforce because it was, A, just great to get out and be with anybody. B, these are really incredibly dedicated, talented people. And C, 
doing all that while watching Vermonters and guests flourish in our parks. The sounds, listening to kids laughing and water splashing and the smells of campfires and cooking. And honestly, it's it was really uplifting to just be out there for all those reasons, yeah. especially to just watch the magic of Vermont State Parks happen and feel it. Yeah, They're really special and it shows in the people's enjoyment of them. Definitely. And it's been like a real bright spot for people like enjoying the outdoors or reconnecting with the outdoors Which is during this great. time. Yeah. And so we've seen an uptick in outdoor recreational use in general, especially on public lands. And what's great is it's not just an increase in use, it's a expansion of use. And we're seeing newcomers, people who've done it forever, and then people who maybe used to and didn't and now returning to it. And we're seeing a diversification of use and the demographics of use. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really great. You know, mm -hmm. if a million visitors, paid visitors to Vermont State Parks in a summer season, it's yeah. amazing. There's it only 625,000 of us. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and that's just the paid summer visits. They're open all year, even if not staffed, and they're used a lot. So these, it, it, it's clear, and we know it now better than ever that the pandemic showed us that they play this really outsized role. And I think they'll, they have for, for wellness all along, during the pandemic especially, and I think as part of the recovery and the, the you know, the, the growth beyond here, we're all, I think, we're lucky to have these assets and the culture of outdoor recreation. Both are thriving, and I think a lot of good things will come of that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Do you have, and I know being state commissioner, you can't like pick favorites, but do you have a favorite time of the fall season? Like, do you like that when you were talking earlier about some people really like the reds or some people really like the golds? Like, do you have a Yeah, I favorite? do. I, I think I do. I like it when it's, like right now, to be honest with you, I find a certain tension about it. It's like, what's going to happen? It, it, there's a fun mystery of it all. But then for me, I've, I guess I've come to feel a little responsible, which is ridiculous well, and right, preposterous. But somehow, I just want it to be great, always. Of course. And, I, and I'm like, right now, it looks like it's teeing up nice. We have these factors that kind of work against the best of it. And I'm like, what's going to happen? So I prefer to get past this phase to the like, wow, it really is beautiful, even if it's not quite peak or whatever yeah. in anybody's mind. I like that one, kind of pre-peak, because I love the anticipation that it feels great. And then, uh, frankly, I'm a bit of an odd duck. I like the end, because I really like that transition to what we call stick season, when you can really see through the woods, and then you see the history of our landscape and the people on our landscape, be it stone walls or cellar holes. You know, you can just kind of go and see, and and then there's the, the color on the ground. You start to see other aspects of the forest as opposed to just the great green mass. So I like, I'm my sort of bimodal. I like the, I'll call it just pre-peak. And then I like just after peak. How's that? <laughs> when the pressure's off. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Right. And we're all feeling great. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also that time during foliage where we were talking about kind of the first and second waves yeah. of foliage. Like sometimes in the beginning, it might not seem as bright as it will later. Right. I feel very strongly with absolutely no scientific basis, only through observation. I don't know that it's without any basis, but I just want to be fair. It's a working hypothesis in my mind through observation that the early part of fall foliage, it's like early color, right? I mean, frankly, it starts in like July when I see some red maple on the roadside that's just been really abused and it's given it up early. And yeah. Wow. Even it's beautiful. Or some, you know, wetlands tend to turn a little early, right? There's that. But I mean, early September when it's starting, it's the appropriate season. There's an awful lot of green out there. 
my feeling is that at that time, when the colors start to begin, it tends to be somewhat muted, a little, I don't want to call it dull, but kind of, yeah, muted. I think that's because the first leaves to kind of give it up in that wave are stressed leaves on trees that are more stressed than others. And there's like this, some percentage of the leaves out there, they're just not that vibrant and they go first and it tricks us because we all say, oh boy, it's going to be dull this year. And then you realize there's that second wave early on where they, those leaves drop and some of that tremendous volume of green leaves that somehow we were ignoring are now turning. They have better chemistry, if you will, and they're, they're stronger coming into the fall. And they're the ones that really dial up the vibrancy in mid-season that bring us to that glorious peak condition. Mm. It's funny, too, how people, I remember when I worked in tourism, early on, like, you know, mid-September, people would already have kind of their predictions. People who weren't, you know, foresters didn't really know. They'd see a little bit of that muted piece and be like, oh, nope. Terrible year. Terrible year. Yeah, as if there is such a thing. <laughs> right? Let's face it, right? Even when it's some offering yeah. number of reasons, it's still mm-hmm. fantastic. It's still fantastic. Yeah, right. I hear it all the time. and I, You know, I'm like, I, that's why I've developed this theory, like, relax. Trust the trees is what I like to say. Yeah, exactly. Really, they've done this dance a really long time. Mm -hmm. And and in fairness, so let's let's talk about it. The world is changing. We are seeing, I'm referring specifically to climate change, Mm -hmm. to be clear. And our forest health folks, staff have been monitoring phenology, leaf phenology, which is the timing of bud break and leaf off and color development. And it's a longer season. I've also heard people, ah, it's, it's, it's late this year. Well, first of all, Let's just purge that from the lexicon. It's, you know, the trees, again, know what they're doing. We are early, okay? Mm, exactly. If you're feeling it's they're late, it means we're early in our expectations. But it does seem to be a trend of late where last several years where it develops really slowly. So what I'd say summer weather or conditions exist, linger into the fall longer. And we're documenting that. The growing season has extended on this end. And that is changing the development of fall foliage and, and how it works. And I think we're pretty early in our learning about how it's changed because of the change in the climate changes and the disruption in in hydrologic weather patterns, particularly rainfall and intensity. And so I think we all need to stay on our toes and stay nimble about how we view and, and what our expectations are. But to me, it's broadly that it's September. It's like the six weeks from September into mid to late October, even six, eight weeks, it's in there. And it's going to be somewhere in there, if not this exact time every year. I think that's great, admittedly. A little harder for travel planning, but come for eight weeks. <laughs> right. Problem solved. Right, problem solved. There you go. Yeah. I know. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah I think it does. I think it does. And I think it, yeah, there is that window. And, and I think that's what makes it so interesting and special. It's kind of predictable, but not entirely. That's right. And we are, let's face it, we, I'm speaking of we Vermonters, I think we're wicked spoiled. Oh, We've yeah. We've become that way. Oh, yeah. We, it's so great. And we have a pretty high bar. And I mean, I'm just flabbergasted by the people I meet over the years who are like, terrible year. Because they're, they're just expected. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? It, first of all, it really wasn't. It's still no. pretty nice. And what must our expectations be? When it's this nice and people are disappointed, that blows my mind. I know. I know. But that's who we are. We There's a lot of pride in it, and we expect it to be great. And right. it is. And it's part of tradition, you know? It's right. like part of our, our life and tradition and what we know. And yeah. Longer term change, you can get me going here, uh, <laughs> uh, is changing species composition in our forests. Even say, set aside any climate change effects on that over the long term, 
migration of species, change in species composition, set aside any climate change event. Forests do that over time. There are species shifts. And we've been tracking a, an increase in the, the occurrence of red maple as a species in our state for some time. It's been growing over decades. So we have those natural changes and then overlay now climate change effects on species. I'm talking not year to year, but decade to centuries over time. And But as I hand the mic off to the next foliage forecaster, they're going to have to consider those kind of changes in the species mix, because that's been the real recipe for, to me, the, the world's best thing is because of the, is built on the ecological factors of our soils, our geology, our soils, the hydrology, topography, and all of which kind of speaks to the species diversity. We have a high proportion of maples. We have a great diversity, a number of species. All of that contributes, that variety contributes to the color development, vibrancy of the colors. And of course, our land use patterns and our culture affords, you know, there's room to move here. It's quiet. It's a, So the viewing opportunities are exemplary here as well. So for all of those, you know, variety, so I'd say variety, vibrancy, viewing, vantage points, that all contributes to it being the best. And it's the kind of the basis for my claim. And that variety piece is related to change too and can change over time. So I think that's fascinating to think about over the longer term, mm -hmm. what might happen. Maybe I'm getting into the weeds of tree nerdness, but you know, I am who I am. You are, you are. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit maybe what we're looking at here around the, the pond? Right across the pond from us, there's this just wonderful splash of reds. There's a I would say at least three different reds I see, you know, crimson and basic red. And I don't know, we, there's another one there. <laughs> Those are red maple trees. That's the name of the species, Acerubrum. I don't mean just to say that they're maple trees that look red right now. They're a particular species. They're called red maple because in every season, there's something red about them. In the fall, it's this beautiful deep red. In the spring, it's the red flowers. And in the summer, it's the red leaf stems. In the winter, it's the red twigs. So red maple, and they are really showing off right now. Whereas the rest of what surrounds them is a lot of green with, I'd say it's about half green and half yellow green. You see a little beach. I think there's at least one cherry I see. Those are going yellow earlier than others. So it's kind of fading greens. Nice mix of there's some cedar and pine in that mix too, a spruce that will all provide that nice green contrast as the colors continue to develop. So those red maples, there's half a dozen of them on the pond shore and then they, that are really popping right now. And there it's their outer leaves and their branch tops. There's more to come from them, believe it or not. There's green leaves behind them, within them, inside the crown of the tree. And a lot more to come. I think they also point to an element of fall foliage viewing that's fun is the texture. We tend to focus on the the colors. All the trees species have different textures and architectures of their canopies that leads to the, we're looking at this beautiful bowl on a hillside leading up to a peak in a hardwood ridge, which is dappled with some red, including one that's kind of like should not occur in nature red. Like it looks over to the right here, to our right, oh, yeah. halfway up the it's slope. Like fluorescent I mean, almost. Yeah, it's like exactly kind of fluorescent. Yeah. And then a nice, you know, this bowl that has this sort of gradual wave of little dappled with that bright red, but then kind of the muted yellows, a little bit of orange. It's interesting as we look at it, not a whole lot of orange out there yet. But yeah, I, you've got like, it's nothing I would call here as like, oh, that's peak. But honestly, 
it could be just a matter of a few days away on that hillside where any any sane person would say, how could it be, be any better than that? I know. It's so vibrant. Right. I was really surprised when I, I drove up from Burlington, which, you know, we don't really see foliage until October over there. And driving up through Hardwick and up through Glover and here, the color looks really beautiful already. So I would call it really nice early. I think I did in our first week's foliage report through our partners at Vermont Tourism and, and Marketing. We, yeah. uh, I said it's, I think it's really nice early color yeah. emerging really throughout the state. I've zoomed all over and I, I'd say that's fair. Pretty much everywhere there's early color, which I think over your way in the Champlain Valley, it's it's street trees and campus trees, park trees. But as you leave Burlington, say, and into the Chittenden County uplands and through the Winooski Valley, you're seeing hillsides with nice early color even, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, And definitely. that stuff will come, the, the real show there will start several weeks down the road yeah. from here, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. That's but usually right now, it is. I would say really nice early color all over the state. Great early color here at Holbrook State Park. Yeah, I love it. I'm so glad you suggested this place. It's so beautiful. And I had never heard of it and never been here. And... It's awesome. So thank you. Well, thank you. It's just thanks to the whole, to Vermont, to Vermonters who've created all this. Yeah, it's awesome. It's wonderful. You're focusing on the public lands. They are accessible. We want people to know about them. I would like to put a plug in for, you know, that world's best foliage claim isn't just on state lands. And Vermont is 80 some percent the forest land is privately owned. Three quarters forested and that vast forest land, the vast majority is owned by private it's amazing. Families, yeah. Really? Uh, not like corporations. And this should be an annual reminder to all of us of how lucky we are and that we are forest strong, I like to say, because this great forest gives us so much. This is just the, the showing off time for the trees and should remind us that we're really lucky for the landowners who stewarded these lands with their foresters and their loggers, because it really has. All of it has been stewarded and that has kept it from being a different landscape and we're really really lucky and i hope we can hold on to it Mm. yeah me too and i think of fall foliage every year is like you know it's a great opportunity for us to take stock be thankful and acknowledge and be intentional about it's not really accidental we're really lucky that there's so much public benefit from private lands yeah no that's very true that's a good point and it is a reminder this year you know you really are paying attention to People are paying attention to the hillsides and the trees and right. the beautiful landscape. And it is a good reminder to keep this going. Yeah. Again, though, appreciate your your questions and interest about state lands and the state forests and state parks of Vermont. are They're just fantastic. And they're diverse. They're all over the state, easy to get to, accessible. And there's so much more within. And they're gateways to so much more, whether it's sort of personal sort of seclusion and solace or group rigorous fun, Mm -hmm. you know, and the whole spectrum. It's all available, all appropriate, and ready for folks to have at it. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. You can also find stories about Vermont and places to visit on my website, happyvermont.com. If you have story ideas, comments, or just want to say hello, I would love that. Please email me at hello at happyvermont.com. Have a great fall season. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.